You know, after you have worship and time with the Lord like that, I hate getting up. <laughs> it's just like it was so wonderful, so fulfilling. So, I mean, we had church. I don't want to ruin it. Um, yeah. Do you still want to say something? I just wanted to say, because many of you I won't see after today, and, and I just wanted to to tell you, we're so grateful, first of all, that you invited us, and how graceful you guys have been toward us, and especially Greg and Danny, we appreciate you guys and your girls, and your whole family, and I just wanted to be able to say that, and also, you know, talking about family, you know, we feel a part of your family, and the only way that comes about is that your hearts are toward us, and we, are, we appreciate that so much. And, again, we're just thankful and grateful, and we love you guys. What was this, you know, you going all prophetic on me there earlier there? What's up with that? I'm telling you. You know, what really got me about that word was the fact that it, it was for me. You know, that, that, now think about that for a minute. The trial, the tribulation, the thing that God allowed to go on your life was for you. If you can begin to understand in your, in your head that, that those things, those tragedies, those opportunities, they're for you. And they don't make sense all the time. And they're painful and they're hurtful. And, you know, if you were God, I'm sure you wouldn't do it that way. But the fact of the matter, he knows what's best. And he knows how to, 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 to manifest for you. We just don't think of it that way. And we just need to see life through God's eyes. You know, you renew your mind with the washing of the word, the reading of the word. And really, your mind, there's one word, an instance, and I believe it's in Psalms somewhere, where they talk about the mind, and the Hebrew translation of mind is kidney. And do you know what a kidney does? It filters. And so when you're renewing your mind, you're literally renewing the view of life to God's view of life instead of man's view of life. Because up to that point when you walk with the Lord, you have no idea or your only view of life is through the flesh. And then God begins to turn that thing upside down. And he starts to change all those definitions that you thought that should be just to take you on the journey to know him. I, I still can't get over the fact that the garden's really about the unfolding of his plan to show all creation his love for what he's created. Wasn't mistakes, wasn't oops, wasn't you trying to love him, wasn't any of those things. It was about the unfolding of his plan to manifest himself to all creation and the fact that he could take your weak, frail, 
life that is but a breath and manifest who he is in you, through you, and for you. Think of that. I could drop the mic and walk out of here right now. God is good. God is good. Again, um, thank you. Really, uh, thank you for allowing us to be here with you and and the way that you've blessed us. You know, um, many years ago when I first started uh, going on missions trip, I had an open vision. And I don't know if you've ever had an open vision, but an open vision is one where you're awake, and God shows you something. And I was coming back from Guatemala, and I'm sitting in the plane, and I don't know if I was talking to my traveling partner or not, but all of a sudden, it's like the Spirit of the Lord come upon me. And he shows me all these countries. And in these, or, uh, uh, he shows me these trenches from all these countries where rivers of water were going back and forth. And when I was in Guatemala, he showed me, in, in the same vision, he shows me this, this table. And on these tables are swords with names of those countries. And I began to understand the reason that God sent me out to do things. Because the reality was, is that he was digging trenches from country to country so that you can take what you have and you can bring back what they have for the body of Christ, and that each country had its own unique weapon, its own unique characteristic and attributes to be shared over the body of Christ. It just was like, blew me away, and and the Lord brought that back when I was over here. So here's what I want today before we leave. I want you to pray for us so that we can take back what you have what God's put in you back to where we go. This isn't about what we bring. It's just a small piece. We want to take back what you guys have for others. Is that okay with you guys? Amen. All right. So, where do we go from here, God? Your story about your baby. Yeah, Rama. And I was listening to you. And all I could think about is how God took you through that experience. And I don't know if you heard me, but I want to say it again. But I don't, and it not only applies to you, but it applies to us. He took you through that experience because it was the beginning of something greater. You think that was a hard thing, but the Lord says there's going to be greater things, greater trials, greater issues, where he speaks the word to you, and you're going to go back to that instance that you walked through so that you can hold on to believe for that greater thing that he has before you. You need to hold on to that. And I would say that not only for you, but I say that for this place. God's brought you through those things those difficult times because they were
building blocks to the next things that he wants to take you to and through. And it's not about arriving. You're not trying to get to the destination that you can sit back and go, I'm finished. No. It's about the destination of that journey so that you can discover more and more of who he is. You've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. Do not be satisfied with yesterday's revelations from God. It's an absolute tragedy if you are. Look forward. Enjoy what he showed you, but look forward to what he's going to show you tomorrow when you're sitting on his lap, listening to his heartbeat as he loves on you. Don't ever be satisfied with yesterday. Man does not live by bread alone, but of every rhema, every utterance that comes from God. Hold on to that. Look forward to that. Hunger for that. And if you don't hunger for it, pray that he puts the hunger in you to do it. You know, um, my wife and I, we've been at home. We, we're, God's moved us on to another church, and we're in that process of, of, of searching what that place is supposed to look like. And uh, we went to a, a, a church that is, uh, was a, a, a denominational church who didn't, had a very, very narrow view of the Holy Spirit. And, and the biggest thing that I got there through the four or five weeks they went through there was God put a Holy Spirit revival in my own heart. Because God, I remember when I was learning about you. I remember the ways that you manifested in your power. I remember the things of, of prophecy and tongues and interpretations and all the things that you did, God, that were so magnificent, so powerful. God, revive those in my heart again. God, let me not be satisfied. Let me not be too smart. Let me not be too wise when I say those were the old things. God, I want to embrace all the fullness of what you are, God. Let me not become complacent. Gosh, I I remember in church the first vision I had. Didn't know any better. Sitting in church and, and God shows me this vision for a guy and he's, it was like a box and he would open the box and take the context out and then he would put it back in the box. And I'm like, God, this doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden I walk up to the individual and I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, but God showed me this vision, this box. And I said, you open it up and you take it out. Then you put open it back up, put everything in. You keep telling you want something, but you really don't want something, what you said from God. And he just looked at me, and you knew that the truth, the Spirit of God was speaking, speaking to something hidden in his life. That was exciting. I'll never forget the time when my wife and I were uh, just getting in our first um, connection group, a home fellowship group. And, and they brought a, a woman in in a wheelchair and, 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 and the Spirit of God lays it on her heart and we all begin to pray for her. And the power of God hits her so hard that it straightens her in her chair. I'll never forget 
the Spirit of God moving that way. I'll never forget my wife begin to praying for somebody that way in that same group. And this little Catholic girl <laughs> starts praying over this lady and all of a sudden from her inner, innermost being, a sound like I never heard. And she wept from inside her and groaned in the spirit. But you knew the spirit of God was there. Some of those little things. I'll never forget when I was in a, a restaurant and God told me to pray for somebody and how scared I was and had this argument with God that it me, you, no way, yeah, God, okay, I'm not sure. And praying that deep spiritual prayer, in the name of Jesus, be healed and out of there in five seconds. And getting in my truck and shaking like a leaf. And then the Spirit of God coming on me. And he says, you didn't say, stay to see what I was doing, but I healed her. And the peace of God came upon me and I stopped shaking immediately. I'll never forget seeing the power of God touch somebody that way. I'll never forget being at work. And I used to hang wallboard and ceilings and I was on stilts and I'm hanging the ceiling and the Spirit of God comes on me and he gives me a vision for a woman in a home fellowship group that we're having. It wasn't in deep prayer and fasting. It was just the Spirit of God being the Spirit of God. And the Lord tells me something about this lady and I'm like, good Lord God, I don't even know when I'm going to see her again. And yet the Spirit moves me to go and I shared with what God wanted me to share with her. I'll never forget a dream that God gave me about a woman who was struggling with something in her life. And God puts this dream in me and I see, see it clearly. And then I don't see this woman for three months. And all of a sudden she walks in the room and the Spirit of God brings it to my brain right for that spot. And I tell her, Nadine, here's what God showed me. And her mouth falls open. And it ministered directly at the time when God wanted it to happen. I, I want you to know something. You're not going to screw up God's timing. Because when it's from Him... He'll move what needs to move. He'll put you in places where you need to be just to fulfill what he said he was going to do. I'll never forget when my wife and I got married and four kids and we're sitting in church and we're just learning about what Christ is about. And a guy from the back row or we were in the back row. The guy, the prophet, comes into the church and he calls us up. And we'd never get called up by the prophets. And he calls us up and he looks at me 
And he says he prophesies over both of us. And he said, you will be a man who walks the world. I said, God, did you see my paycheck? But the fact of the matter, it didn't matter what was in my pocket. It didn't matter how good that job was. It didn't matter except this. God spoke in it. It came to pass. And since 1993, I began to walk the world. Watching God be God, there's no greater joy. I watch God build the business that we're in and watch his spirit lead the business. I don't even want to get in the way. I fight to stay out of the way. And every businessman that comes in or talks at me, looks at me and goes, what are you doing? And yet God continues to do what he's doing because he's God. You see, when, when you get to know him, you don't second guess him anymore. I'll never forget. We were having our last child. I walk into my job at that time and I said, my wife's pregnant. And they said, congratulations, we've got to lay you off. And I lost my job. And I probably didn't work for six months, and it wasn't because lack of trying to find a job. But I'll never forget how God showed me that he provides for my needs according to his riches and glory. I walked outdoor one day, and my Bronco that used to be in the parking spot was no longer there because the bank repossessed it. But I remember in the time for a season, God gave us five cars. We'd drive them. They'd die. Somebody else would give us another car. And God did that so that we would know that, look, no matter what's happening in the future, I got this. I got this. I'll never forget when I called a friend and I said, look, we're, we're almost out of rent. We don't have money to pay the power. I don't know what we're going to do. And he says to me, let me call you back. He calls me back and he says, I think we can figure out a way to loan you some money. You can pay it back. And I said to him, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Because I don't think that's God's best for me. And the next day, I get a phone call and everything's taken care of debt free. Not because I was trusting myself. Not because I was defining how things should look. Because I just wanted whatever God wanted. And whatever context he wanted to give it to us. That's all we wanted. I'll never forget doing these missions trips. And my first time to South Africa. And yeah. And I, the money's not coming in for the trip. And, I, and somebody across the country was organizing this trip. 
And I called him up. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing this. I said, the funds aren't here yet. So he goes, let me call you back. So he calls me back. He says, look, I think we got it taken care of. And I said, eh. And I hung up the phone. And I said, God, I just don't think that's your best. And I drove two blocks around the road to my mailbox and opened my mailbox. And there's a $2,500 check that had no idea was coming in that covered the trip. You see, because I just wanted God's best. You see, we don't want to sell him short. He has so much more. And the greater you get to know him, you're not trying to conform it in your image, but God, whatever it looks like, that's what I want to do. Remember when the apostle went to the Lord? He says, I went to him three times to get healed. God, take this thing. I've got this thorn in the flesh from Satan because of all the revelation you've given me. But God, can you heal me? And God says to him, my strength is perfected in your weakness. And the apostle knew God so well that he said, I just want what you want. So I will glory in my infirmities, in my trials, in my tribulations, in my afflictions. Because if you're made strong in my weakness, then that's where I want to be. He wanted to be like that. God, just show your strength in me. That's where we need to go. Jesus only did what he saw his father do. He only spoke what he heard his father say. His desire was to be the exact reflection of what he wanted. He goes to the garden. Lord, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. Do we have that relationship with God that says whatever way you want it to be? Do we know God well enough that we could trust him to say, God, wherever I am, I'm content. God, whatever you want, I'm going to enter into your rest. I labor to enter into your rest. And he that's entered into his rest has ceased from his own works. When are you going to figure out he loves you so much that you were created to rest in him? There's a time to learn that God wants to use you. But there also comes a time to learn that God doesn't need you. And when you figure out that God doesn't need you, watch what God does through you.
Holy cow. I don't think so. I keep sniffing. You can yell at me later about it. <laughs> we have a world that's getting worse and worse. Um, I don't know if you read in the United States, in New York, and New York is a uh, spiritually a uh, a place of of of. Uh, authority in the United States. Uh, it's a place of commerce. Business comes out of there. It's a, really a place where God did some things in planting um, the country. And so in New York, they just legalized abortion up till birth. And they celebrated it by the rebuilding of the Twin Towers that were destroyed in 9-11, they rebuilt one building and they highlighted it in pink as though they're flaunting their fist at God because we continue to become a country or manifest attributes of really a country that falls away like Israel did when they walked away from God. And the United States was built on Christian principles. And whether we like it or not, what goes on in the United States is a manifestation of what God does all over the world. Because the world is so interconnected anymore, isolationism really doesn't exist. And so you have this nation that continues to make this spiral of moral decline, people ask me, they always want to know, what do you think of President Trump? In spite of the ignorant things he says, I love him. And here's why. Because he's not owned by the politician, and he has taken a stronger stand for Judeo-Christian principles than anybody we've had since Reagan. And so, what I really believe is God anointed him to be President of the United States. Remember, nobody gets in leadership unless God raises them up. Okay? Now, you can whine about all the Christians that don't vote, you can whine about the politicians or anything, but you need to learn to discern what God is showing in the midst of these times. But if you don't know God, you can't see these things. So God anoints this man to shake up a country and a world that hasn't happened for a long time. And what I really believe that he becomes a vessel of God's mercy. Because really what God is saying, world, America, I'm giving you another chance here. And I can tell you what's going to happen. We might get one more 
four years of that, but what rolls in next could be that much worse. And I say that to say this, you're going to have to hear the voice of God to navigate what to do, how to do, when to do it as this world gets worse. Because God said, guess what? This world's going to get worse, right? Doesn't it talk about a great falling away that has to happen? Do you know that the falling away is not because the world's falling away? They're already away. The falling away happens inside the walls of the institutionalized church because we walk around, we claim we know God, and we deny the power thereof. We got to know God. We got to... We got to make that journey with him because that's what you're created for. You know, it's funny. The things that we we get so caught up in, you know, we linger in our pain. We linger in our guilt. We linger in our shame. Let me show you something. John 17. I think... I think it's 17. Let me look at one more thing. Oh, I'm sorry. John 15. Hold on. one. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So you can see how he's looking at you and what his expectations are. And the fruit tree or the vine doesn't get to decide what kind of fruit it produces. It produces what it's created to produce. What the Father has designed it to produce. Now I want you to understand something. He goes in verse 3 and he says, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now think about this for a minute. How long do we dwell in our pain, in our uncleanness, on our hurts, in our guilt, in our shame, when he's already resolved that? said it right there he specifically says you're already clean why does he tell you that you're clean so that you can move on don't be caught up in the smoke screens that steal life the distractions that are trying to stop you from producing fruit now i'm not trying to make your pain any less or the situation of any less value that's not what i'm saying at all What I'm saying is, don't make a friend of it. Don't hold on to it. He did something. You're already clean because of the word, because of the logos, which I've spoken to you. I have ministered to those needs. Dig into my word. 
Find out what I say and live life the way I've defined it to be lived. Abide in me, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice the abiding that's there. You produce food, fruit because you're hanging out with him. It's not because of the task. In fact, you can't help yourself but produce fruit when you hang out with him. And that the things that God has called you to do have become a burden and a chore, may I recommend this for you. Sit down. Take up his yoke for its light. Rest until he tells you to move. Now, I didn't say crawl in a hole and pull the dirt over you, did I? Because that's our excuse not to be that way. But the fact of the matter is, in reality, his yoke is light. So the key is abiding. You have to bear fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I him, I in him, he bears fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Galatians says it's like this. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. To what degree does that work in your life? Because in the reading, it doesn't, it's not defined by a degree. I'm dead. It's Christ in me. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah, you notice you can't take any credit for it, can you? There's no way to steal any of that glory. I do what I do because of who you are in me. If you abide in me and my words, my rhema, my utterances... If you abide in me and my rhema abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why can you ask? Because he already told you what to ask. You're not asking out of selfish ambition anymore. It's fascinating to me because when you die, Christ lives And all of a sudden, your desires become what he has for you. And that's what brings most satisfaction in your life. But the flesh always trying to draw you back in, huh? You know why you get a resurrected body? Tell you a secret. Because in Romans, it says this. It says the law of sin lives in this tent. And when Christ changes you, this tent can no longer house the law of sin. You get a resurrected body so that the law of sin does no longer control your life through the flesh. 
Just a little side note. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the fathers loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. All right, we're going to do one more, and then we're going to close up. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Hearing his voice, knowing him, growing in him, discerning the times. We might do two more. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Do you know why Jesus calls him Simon Barjona? Because that is his flesh name. Now that's important. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So what he's telling him is while you were walking in the flesh, my Father revealed to you who I was. You weren't even spirit-led then. Do you know that's what... Think about that for a minute. God loves you so much while you're still trapped in whatever you're trapped in. Simon Marjona, my father reveals who he is. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, there's only one rock by which the church is built. Is that not correct? And it's not Peter. And the gates of Hades will not overpower. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom in heaven. What's he, what are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? When you take this scripture in context, what he's talking about is revelation. See, he starts the conversation saying, flesh and blood doesn't reveal this to you. So when he's talking about keys to the kingdom of heaven, who has to reveal it to you? It has to come from the Holy Spirit. So your keys to the kingdom of heaven is to ask God how to navigate those situations. And when he tells you what they are, you know how to pray, and those are the keys, then open up what needs to be open. You loose what he says to loose. You bind what he says to bind. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth you shall have loosed in heaven. Now listen to this. He just gives this great 
beautiful, wonderful revelation about power, about the Spirit of God opening up, about keys to the kingdom, about loosing and binding. And then he says this. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, as silly as I may be, I ask God, why on earth would you tell them not to evangelize when you gave them the greatest revelation they could have ever had? This is important. From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Now listen to me. Inside the walls of the organized institution of the church, we have a lot of that going on. You see, God gives us a revelation. He gives us a little power. And all of a sudden, we start using it the way he thinks we think we should use it. And yet, so when he told them, don't go tell anybody, what he's saying is this. I will open your eyes. I will give you power and authority when I say to use power and authority. You see, you're reflecting who he is. He goes on to say this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father with his angels and will repay every man according to his deeds. I want you to understand something. Your deeds need to reflect what the Father wanted done, not the way you think things should be done. God, I'd like to talk to you about our president. You do notice that he's rather obnoxious, God. The guy steps in his bucket of mess all the time. God, he's obnoxious. In fact, God, if I were God, I probably would not have used him. I know you asked me. I'm sorry I was so late on getting back to you. There's definitely a better way to do this, God, because the world looks at us as though we're laughing stocks. God uses the righteous. God uses the unrighteous. When a man is raised up as king or president, he is used as a vessel for those that are disobedient to the things of God. And those who walk with God need not worry about who's in leadership. Because God is executing the things that He wants to do. You see, 
my daddy knows the first from the last, the beginning from the end, the past, the future, what's going on. And you know what? He hasn't made one mistake yet. God knows what he's doing. It's all about reflecting who he is. Let's go to one more scripture. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. Thank you. preachers are. They talk and talk and talk. I've come to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. Now I want you to understand something. This is Jesus talking. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Now, I want you to understand something. The number five is representative, is the house of grace. He's talking about the church. And when he says, and when he says five members in one household, three divided against two. Three is the number of the spirit. Two is against a number in the flesh. And he's saying, in the house of grace, there's going to be those who walk by the spirit and those who walk by the flesh. And I am here to divide them. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So he's telling us he's come to divide. He's come to divide in, inside the institution of the church. He's come to divide even in our most intimate settings of our families. That's a baptism that he desires to happen because what he is doing and he is separating from those who love him, truly love him, and those who just carry on the act of loving him. He says he came to do that. And he also was saying to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, Immediately say a shower is coming and so it turns out. And when you see south wind blowing, you say it will be hot day and it turns out the way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky. Why do you not analyze this present time? You see, God makes his ways known. You see, your friends... And God tells his friends what's happening. Do you know him as friend? Or do you still know him as master? Everything that we talked about this weekend. Oneness. Hearing his voice. 
falling in love with him. Every time we had worship, it was about him and what he did and how he does. Tomorrow, let our benchmark be higher than it was today in our relationship with him. God, may I know you more, deeper, more intimately tomorrow than I did today. God, may I realize tomorrow that I need you greater than I did today. God grants grace to the humble. God is taking you on a journey to know him. I love you guys. Thank you. Well, let's pray. And, and, and I really want you guys to pray for us too. So, Greg, you can lead that how you feel like God wants to do that. Father in heaven, <laughs> you're so good. Is there anything else to say? We are worthy. You're worthy of our praise and adoration, God. Stir up the hunger in us, God. We're not hungry enough for you. Forgive us for our shortcomings, God. Forgive us that we haven't been hungry enough. Forgive us, God, that we've been distracted. Forgive us, God, that we've been satisfied. Forgive us, God, that we've been complacent, God. You have so much more. You're so much bigger. We've barely begun to know you. Open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to know you. What you began, you'll be faithful to complete. Thank you that you've set us free from guilt and shame of the past. We can go on in the things of you. I bless this family, this church family, The Rock. We bless them, Lord. We thank you for them. More life, more of you. We give you all the honor and glory, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.